All right, well, I'm excited to be preaching this morning. As, uh, as part of my illustration, we decided to turn up the heat to a balmy 74 right now in this room. So it is warm. Uh, our, our heater is broken the other way. It's not getting colder. It's getting warmer. So I might break, break a sweat this morning. Uh, but I'm excited to preach. And I, I thought about a, a good way to, to start off this morning would be to recap the past uh, two weeks of services that we've had. Last weekend, uh, unfortunately, I was sick, so I wasn't able to preach. But we were able to show Bob Goff, which is now showing at, at our other campuses. He did just a fantastic job. You can hear his message online. Uh, the week before that, we had Christmas Eve services. So uh, if you were here for Christmas Eve services, you experienced just a, a great, a great evening together. We had candlelight on Friday. Saturday was 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 special, and God showed up, and we had over three thousand people attend this campus to worship. That's a thousand more than last year. That's awesome. And, and I love the fact that God has just given us favor in the community as people have seen our church now they're beginning to simply show up and attend and, and check it out. And so uh, that, that's by God's design. Most importantly about Christmas Eve services, we saw 117 people make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. That's fantastic. It's awesome. So today, there's been over 669 people that have made decisions to follow Jesus in 2016. Praise God for that. That's why we're here, to, to get people connected to Jesus. Uh, I want to let you know that, that we uh, reached and succeeded our Kingdom Builders goal. We gave $1.54 million from this campus. So that, that's not collective. That is just from this campus. We, we reached our goal, praise the Lord. And I just want to say thank you for being faithful. I know for some, you have greater aspirations in this year in terms of your giving. Let, let, let's see God do greater things in, in 17 than he did in 16. That's awesome. I also want to highlight that, that we finished the year out strong. Pastor Connor, uh, between Next and in serving teams and life groups, we had record numbers in 2016. Some of the best numbers that, that really our church has ever seen in terms of participation through Next. We had over 100 life groups here at this campus. Fantastic. Youth ministry, uh, Pastor Sam and Pastor Gabby have done a fantastic job. Uh, in this room on Wednesday nights, we have over 300 students and leaders attend, worshiping, discovering, experiencing God's presence. It's awesome. It's amazing. If you're a parent, for some of you have stepped in and you've seen what God's doing, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, Hannah mentioned sisterhood. Our ladies are, are turning out uh, by, by the dozens. We have over 300 ladies, which is the, the largest amount of ladies showing up for sisterhood of, of any campus. It's amazing. So there's momentum there. So can we just thank our, our ministry leaders and our pastors doing a fantastic job. So as, as I think about what God is doing, it, it needs to be said, we are an extremely healthy campus. And I don't say that in a prideful way. I say that just to state the reality for some of you brand new here. Uh, this is an extremely healthy campus. There's a God momentum at this campus that other campuses are noticing. This isn't normal. What God is doing is it's supernatural, it's sovereign, it's good, and, and we are simply along for the ride. It's bigger than, than one pastor. It's bigger than, than our staff. It's collective, and you, you don't get a healthy church unless you have healthy people. And so, so when, when, I, when, I, when I do, do the math in reverse, if, if we are a healthy campus and things are going great, that must mean that God is good, but then also that we got, we, we got some great people and God is, is, is growing us and we are healthy, we are engaging, we are serving, we are doing the things that God has called us to do. And so as you think about the reality of what's happening at the campus, the reality of what is happening in your own life, I'm going to say this, there's a lot at stake. Too much is given, much is required. The bar has been set high by our Heavenly Father in your personal life and at our campus. There's a lot at stake. 
There is a lot at line. You think about 669 salvations in one year, $1.54 million in one year. Think about your own personal life, what God is doing, what he has done. There is a lot at stake, church. And, and, and I want to see God do more. I want to live in the more in 2017. A lot has happened in 16, but, but I believe that God has more for us. Again, there's a lot at stake, but, but I believe there is more where that came from. And I believe that the key to experiencing God's more in this year is obedience. We can, we can cruise into 17 thinking, wow, God, you've been awesome. You've been amazing. Look what you've done. We are just going to bask in the glory of, of last year or we can keep our foot on the gas. We can say, God, we are pressing in. We are leaning in. We are expecting for more. But I believe that the more is going to come through faithful obedience from us as a campus, from us as individuals. God has more, but the key is obedience. So I want to press us in this morning. I want you to uh, feel the burden of obedience. There's, there's just, a, in a good way, there's a, there's a passion I have to do all that God has asked me to do, to do to, for us to do all that God has called us to do. And really, it's, it's a burden. It's like you, you carry this. There's something that God places on you that, God, I want more. And if, if more comes through, through obeying in the good times and in the bad times, I'm in. I'm going I'm to shoulder up, God. I'm all in. So true obedience, as I think about it, as I talk about obeying and, and obedience, I, I realize that is a hard thing to do. Words like submission, conformity, uh, giving up your rights, surrendering your own will, those are not words that we naturally embrace. It actually goes against our very nature to, to conform. We, we, we want to do our own thing. Did I just click out there for a little bit? Nope, I'm good. Okay, I thought I lost myself. So you can hear. I'm here. Just a moment. Okay, um, where was that? Oh. Obedience. So when, when I think about obedience, obedience is challenging for most of us. And, and we see it lived out in our children. I have two uh, young children. I have four total, but I have two, two, two little ones, the littles here. Uh, I'm going to show you up on the screen. Some of you already know my kids, but in case you don't, there's my cute little kids. That's Bo. Affectionately known as Bo Jangles. Uh, and that's Stella. She, just, she doesn't need a nickname. It is Stella. Just scream her name Stella, right? So we do. But I got these two little kids that are amazing. And if you were here on Christmas Eve, you, 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 saw, Chris, you saw on Christmas Eve, you saw obedience or the lack of obedience lived out through Stella. Stella made it through three services. We had four total, three services. The fourth service, she, she, had, she made up her mind, I'm going to get up on stage with Daddy. I'm on the front row. I've been watching this thing go down three times. It's my time. I'm Stella. I'm a star. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this. So I'm preaching or giving the announcements, I think it was. And I'm just, I'm in the moment. There's a lot of visitors. Uh, I'm trying to stay engaged. And I see out of the corner of my eye, I see a commotion over here. Didn't even notice that Stella was right there. She ran up, to, uh, up on stage. She was like halfway over here. Hannah then, then ran to, to get her. And I see this commotion. And my first thought was, this is not going to go well for Hannah. This is going to be bad for Hannah. I better bail out my wife. Otherwise, this is going to be not good. Screaming kid, embarrassed wife. It's not good. And so, so I see Stella. I said, oh, hey. Well, hey there, little girl. Come on over. You know, we kind of had a moment together. And it was really cute and special as I lost everyone's attention for like three or four minutes. It was awesome. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So she's making faces at her sisters and stuff like that. And of course, we had a great conversation afterwards. Very, very affectionate, uh, emotional conversation. <laughs> She got the point. Um, but, but Stella is learning how to surrender her will and, and just to, to obey what mom and dad say to do. Bo, Bo, everything's a joke to Bo. He's 14 months. Everything's a joke. Just, 
giggles all the time. And so his favorite game to play is pull my sister's hair until they cry. And so if he can, if he can just get a hand on, on their head, he, he has like this, this, this grip, this death grip that he pulls hair out of their head and, and they're screaming, they're crying, and he's giggling. He thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. We literally have to pry his fingers off of their hair. It's awesome. But Bo is learning. Bo is learning right from wrong. He's learning how to obey and how to, how to conform to what mom and dad want, what is, what is the actual right things to do. But whether you're young, young or old, obedience is always a challenge. For my life, there are areas of obedience that are extremely challenging. God will present me with a task, with something he is, he's put upon my heart to do. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't want to do that. That is, that is hard work. That is sacrifice. That's uncomfortable. That is out of my element, out of my, out of my realm. I don't want to do that. And, and we all have this internal dialogue at times with the Lord of, of things that he's asking us to do. And this has been the case from the beginning of mankind. Obedience has been a challenge. Doing the right thing has always been a challenge. The Israelites, as they wander for 40 years, uh, uh, Moses is, is leading the pack. God is doing miracles. He's, he's providing in, in just miraculous ways. Uh, one day they, they receive from the Lord. The next day they are in disobedience to what God had just told them to do, obedience. And so Moses is leading the Israelites, and they are, they are wandering through, through, uh, through life uh, or journeying to their promised land, and they get to the edge of the promised land. They, they, are, they are observing the promised land, and Moses can, can, can go no further. Joshua is going to take them into the promised land. So Moses has this moment. He has this moment where he can share his, his, his famous last words. He's got one shot to encourage them, to, to give them instruction as they go into the promised land. So if you think about it, he's been with them for 40 years. He, he knows their tendencies. He knows, he knows their nature. He knows the, 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 the journey and, and, all, and everything that, 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 that they've went through. So he's got a moment to encourage them. And this message that, he, that is explicit is a very singular easy to understand message. And it's simply this, Israelites, my people, just obey, obey, just obey what God has asked you to do. Because if you obey what God has asked you to do, you are going to receive your promised land in, the, in, in, in abundance, in, in, in all that God has intended you to receive. You're not just, just going to simply walk into this amazing place. You're going to receive blessing upon blessing, favor upon favor. God has so much for you Simply obey and walk into your promised land. And so we see these words that Moses lays out for them. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, he says this, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. Jump on over to chapter 30, verse 11. This command I'm giving you today it is, is not too difficult for you to understand. It is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey. It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and 
the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. So Moses, Moses is, is imploring the, uh, uh, the Israelites, simply obey, because when you obey, something dynamic takes place. And he's simply saying this, obedience produces life. When, when, when we live with obedience, there, there is a life that, that is produced that, that, that is miraculous, that, that, that is God-ordained. Obedience always produces life. And Moses is simply saying, man, just obey. Because when you obey, you experience the life that God intended you to live. So I'm excited about the opportunity this morning to encourage us, to implore us, to experience the life that God has intended us to live. And so for some of us, that's going to mean we got to submit, we got to conform, we got to obey to God's word like we've never done before. There is a new level of embracing God's instructions, God's decrees, if we're going to obey and produce life like God intended. So let's unpack the scripture that we just read. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. says, The Lord our God has set secrets to, uh, known to no one. Very simply put is that there are things we're not supposed to know. There are things that we will never understand. There are secrets. There are things that God has hidden, and they are hidden for a reason and for a purpose. They are mysteries that will, that will be mysteries uh, for, for all time. And, and we have to be okay with the fact that we don't know everything, and we will never understand everything. And thankfully, you don't have to understand to obey. God has given us the ability through faith that we can simply walk in faith. At times it is blind faith. We are taking a step of faith. We are stepping out. We, we don't know what, what is on the, uh, on the other side of this step, but we step out and we trust God and we obey him. We don't understand it, but we trust him and we obey. So we have to trust in our own lives that what is happening in our lives is a part of a much bigger picture that God is orchestrating for his glory and for our good. It's in that order. What God is doing is always for his glory and for our good. So, so we, we, we just rest in the fact that, that God is doing something way bigger than, we, than, than, than what we can understand. And while we don't see it, we know that God is good and God is faithful. We, we don't see how it's all going to work out. We don't understand it in, 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 in our natural sight, but we trust that God is good. He is faithful. He is for me. He's going to work it out. I trust him. And, 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 and as we have these, these secrets and mysteries, we have to always realize that God loves me more than anyone else. There are things that he's keeping hidden from me for a reason, because he loves me. He's protecting me. There, there, there are things that I don't fully understand, but that doesn't change the fact that God loves me more than anyone else. More often than not, when I think about these secrets, when I think about these, these mysteries, they bring about feelings of, of loss, of pain, of suffering, of confusion, of fear. Uh, more often than not, we have these, these questions of mystery, of secrets, and they bring about why God's statements. God, why is this happening? And, 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 and we, we, we're, we're pondering, God, why, why did this tragedy happen? And I wrote down some questions of real questions that we have asked ourselves this year at this campus in 2016. Again, the, 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 these questions have been asked from people that are sitting here today. Why did, I, why, why did dad have to die so young? We had two fathers passed away recently. Why did dad have to die so young? Why another miscarriage? Why did he stop loving me? Why this disease? Why this job loss? Why do I always wrestle with my purpose? Why was I abused? Why did this car accident happen? 
These are real questions that we have asked. Why God's statements? Because we're wrestling with the mysteries and the secrets that only God knows, right? And so we, we, we may never have, have the answers to these questions. And again, we have to rest in the fact that, that God is working out a bigger picture. For some of you today, there are unfulfilled dreams and desires and passions you have within you. And you ask God, God, why? Why do I wrestle with this? Why, why has this not come to fruition? I feel like you've dropped a dream, a passion, a burden in my heart, and nothing is happening with it. God, why? I struggle. I wrestle with unfulfilled potential, unfulfilled dreams that you've given me. Maybe for others, you're on the opposite end of this. Maybe you've stepped out and you felt like, man, I knew, I knew that, that God called me. He asked me to step out in this area, and I did, and I crashed and burned. I feel like a failure. God, what happened? Why? Why did this happen? Again, many times the secret things, they don't make sense to the natural. And many times they, they often bring suffering into our lives. But we have to ask ourselves the question, and this really is a significant question. Will I remain faithful and obedient even when I don't understand? Will I remain faithful and obedient to the Lord even when I don't understand? Because Satan wants us to question, wants us to doubt, wants us to hold back obedience until it all makes sense to us. Until we, until we can connect all the dots, until it all adds up in our own minds in, in the natural, Satan wants us to, to hold off on obeying and, take, and, and taking steps forward in key areas of our life until it makes sense. And that's not how God designed it. God wants us to have faith and trust in him. And, and, and as you think about the suffering element of, of what God is doing in your life, I want us to grab this truth. I don't have time to unpack it. It is a sermon within a sermon, which is never a good thing. You never want to have a sermon within a sermon. But I want to hit this because it's significant. The truth is this, our suffering is how we learn obedience. Like it or not, our suffering is how we learn obedience. It's not the only way that we learn obedience, but it is a significant way that we learn obedience. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, this is, this is Jesus' life. It, it kind of gives us a picture of what suffering did for him. It says this, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Hebrews chapter, chapter 5 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So again, I'm not going to unpack this. It's a whole different sermon, but grab this quickly. Jesus was sinless. Jesus was perfect. Yet because of his suffering, he was able to grow in obedience. There was something about the suffering that Jesus went through that brought about growth and maturity and, and a deeper understanding of what it meant to, father, to, to, to follow the will of his heavenly father. Jesus said, I came to do the will of my heavenly father. Whatever, whatever my God says, I'm doing it. And it was through his suffering that Jesus obtained this, this level, this ability to obey that was, that was so God-ordained, that was so um, filled with God's presence. So understand this, through suffering, you become more like Jesus. And through suffering, you are able to obey to a greater degree. So obedience produces life through our suffering. Obedience produces life through our suffering. Some of you today, you're going through, through hard stuff. I, we, we recently had some friends over, actually a week ago, some of our best friends, Jeff and Tiffany went pastor church in, in Northfield, Minnesota. They were over. And uh, we knew that they had news to share, not good, not fun news to share. Um, so they came on over and we had, we had more for dinner and uh, they, they, they shared the news, T Tiffany shared the news that she was recently diagnosed with uh, aggressive breast cancer. And it was, it was, it was shocking. Um, Tiffany is, is 35, same age as Hannah. And so 
we're receiving this news, we're hearing this news, and, and I'm putting on my pastor hat, my friend hat, okay, I'm like, I, I got to encourage them, uh, they, they, they need to be uplifted, and so I'm, I'm getting ready to, to go into my pastoral, be a great friend spiel, and they start to unpack what's in their heart, and I'm blown away. Uh, they, are, they are staring down what the, 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 the road they, they need to walk, there is, they are on the brink of suffering, but they're staring it down with a perspective of obedience. They're grabbing hold of God's promises. They're being choice with every word. They, they are not receiving this, this diagnosis. It's reality, but, it, but it's, 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 not, it's not the supernatural side of who God is. They, they realize that there's a healing that God has promised them. Uh, it's, it's crazy just to think about someone that close to me that, that, that I know intimately, been best friends for the past 20 years, uh, what they're walking through. But again, they left my house. I was inspired. I shared very little because of the faith and the obedience that they are walking uh, uh, in. It was, it, was, it was amazing. And so for some of us, we, we got to see our, our, our challenge, our obstacle, and we need to move through and speak life into every situation and, and walk o- obediently because when we do that, we produce life. Jesus came to give life, and he gave life everlasting. His obedience produced life that was everlasting. It's powerful. John 10 I'm sorry, John 17, verse 4 says this. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished, accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So Jesus embraced all that he had to do, embraced all of his suffering, accomplished that. And through his obedience and through his suffering, he was able to glorify his heavenly father. I love that fact that, that, that obedience produces life and glorifies God. When, when, when we do this right, when we obey our Heavenly Father, when we adhere to all that He's called us to, when we go through, through uh, moments of suffering and of challenge and of trial, when we do all these things, we not only obey and produce life, but in the process, God is glorified. Now, I don't know if you think about your life in terms of glorifying God, but, but you need to. I'm just going to let you know. You need to think about your life in terms of how can every moment, how can everything that I go through, how can it glorify God? Church, I have a burden to glorify God with my life. Um, I, and it's not just like my, my ministry, put it in a box, my little ministry that I have going on here. It's everything. It's my friendships. It's my relationships. It's how I treat people. It's how I offer forgiveness. It's through my giving. Um, it's, it's, it's how I treat my wife. It's, it's how I pray. It's how I worship. I want everything. I want everything that I do, that, that I'm a part of, that, 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 that I'm putting my hand to. I want it all to glorify God. Some of you, you got you to live life se- seamlessly. Uh, you, you glorify God in, in quadrants and quarters in different areas, but the business, now that's, that's separation of, of God and business, right? We don't, we don't cross religion into my business. That, that, that's, that's a lie. That's a fallacy. You need to say, God, everything, everything that I am, I do it. I strive for it so that you may be glorified, the good, the bad, everything. So my biggest motivator, one of my biggest motivators in, in life is to bring God glory and I hope that burns within all of us. So how do we navigate this crazy world when God keeps the biggest secrets and mysteries from us? How, how, do we, how, do we, how do we get through it all? And I'll say this, we live with what God has kept secret by trusting what God has made known. We live with what God has kept secret by trusting what God has made known. 
Deuteronomy 29, 29, again, we're unpacking scripture we just read. It says this, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but the things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, so that we may do all of the words of this law. Skip on over to, to verse 30. This commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It is not out of your reach. It is not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. And it is not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it before you can live it. I love that. No, the word is right here and now. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, just do it. Nike ripped off Moses right there. Just do it, right? Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good, death and evil. Uh, Moses says that, that God has placed something right in front of us. So, so what God has revealed to us, the things that we know are plain as day. They are right there, easy to understand. Not, not mysterious, not elusive. They are, God has made them as plain as day. He's placed them right in front of us. Jesus calls us sheep doesn't call you a cheetah. calls you sheep. Sheep sound dumb. Sheep look dumb. Sheep are dumb. Jesus says you're a sheep. Some of you are insulted right now. Jesus, how could you? But why in the world is Jesus calling us sheep? Sheep, are, sheep would literally be extinct if it wasn't for uh, sheep pens and shepherds. They, they cannot survive on their own. They, they, they literally, they, they, they're defenseless. They, they have no direction. They would run off cliffs. It, it would be disastrous. They would no longer be around because sheep are dumb. Jesus says, my sheep, you're my sheep. And so you, you think about the implications of what Jesus is trying to tell us, what he's trying to unpack in our own life. If he's calling a sheep, what does that mean? And very simply, Jesus is letting us know that, that as sheep, we need constant instruction. We need, we need micromanagement all of the time. Therefore, God's word and having God's word placed in front of us is critical because when God's word comes into our life, when God's word instructs us, it gives us direction. It gives us focus. It gives us truth. It gives us understanding, and we need it. So obedience produces life in us when we do what is in front of us. Obedience produces life when we do what is in front of us. Jesus calls us sheep. God has given us his amazing word because he wants to place something in front of us so we know what to do, so we can produce life. John 10, I'm sorry, they say that right? Yes, John 10, verse 27, here goes John 10. It says this, my sheep hear my voice, Jesus speaking, and I know them and they follow me. Jesus is speaking, saying, my voice is made known by my sheep. Flip over to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord. Keep all his commandments that I command you today. Old Testament, New Testament, God's voice is going out. God's voice is being spoken so that his people, so that his sheep can hear him and understand what is right in front of them. And it's all designed, it's all set up so that we can very simply obey. Obedience produces life. And our Heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus, calls out so that we can obey. James 4, verse 17 says, whoever, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. 
What does God ask you to do this year? What is God speaking to you even in this moment? What has been left undone from 16 that God was very clear on? And for, for whatever reason, you decided just to kind of march on by, by your own beat and do your own thing. Again, God has given us the choice between life and good and disaster and evil. So what is God speaking and stirring in your heart today? What area of obedience do you need to surrender and submit to, conform to, so that you can receive all that God has for you? Very practically, for some of us, it's Bible reading. Again, sheep, we're dumb. We we need constant management and instruction. This is the greatest way to know what God has placed right in front of you. This is the greatest way to understand God's will for your life. There's no mystery here. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God reveals things to you in his word where you're like, that makes sense now. I remember it from my childhood, but that scripture makes sense, huh? Imagine that. God wants to illuminate his truth to you. Got to get in your word. For some, it's forgiveness. I'm going to be very honest with you. Uh, For most of my life, growing up in teenage, even college years, I was, it was easy for me to pick up offense. I was easily offended and I would hold grudges and I would, I would mark the people that, that wronged me, right? And so through, through just growth and maturation and understanding how God has forgiven me, I, I, I've, I've been able in the course of my, my adulthood years to take what was a very pronounced weakness in my life and make it a strength because here's what happens. When someone offends me, when I feel like someone has wronged me, I don't simply pray a simple little prayer, God, forgive them for what they've done or whatever, whatever. I, I, I go to that person. I'm vigilant because it's an area that could be a weakness for me. So I don't simply just say, God, I pray and I forgive this person. I go and make it right. And I make it right. I, I literally, last month, there's four different people, text message, two different meetings, another conversation. Just make it right. And it's not a big deal. It's almost more for me than, than, than it is for them, but I'm making things right because I don't want anything to disqualify me or, be, or become an area of disobedience in my life. For so, I bring that up because for some, it's not just simply, God, I forgive them. You got to go to the person. Truly forgive biblically one to another. Step out in obedience and forgive that person. Reconcile. Do it the way Jesus would want you to do it. For, other, for others, there's unhealthy habits and addictions. God has asked you to, to, to lay it down. Just lay it down. And I don't, I don't know the, 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 the formula in terms of how God's going to help you get over it. I just know what God has asked of you, and you just got to do it. You just got to lay it down and trust him, even though he may not understand the full plan and how he's going to work it out. You just got to trust him with it. Uh, for others, it's tithing and giving. Again, church has made its budget. We've exceeded kingdom builders. And I say this because there's some, especially the men in the room, you've turned a neglectful eye to God's truth in the area of generosity and giving. You know there's something lingering here that could really put you on the spot. And you're like, you know, I just don't want to go there. I'm, just, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, do, I'm doing my thing, but, but I'm not going to dive in and see what God actually says about what it means to be generous and biblically tithing. I encourage you, live in God's favor, live in God's obedience and trust him with all the rest. I could make a more, uh, more exhaustive list of areas that I feel God is pressing us this morning. But I simply want to say this, is that obedience produces life. Church, in this campus, in your personal lives, I want more. I want more life to be produced within us because I believe that God has more for us. Moses says this in Deuteronomy 30, 
verse 16 again, final words, his last words. He says this, I command you today, love God, your God, walk in his ways, keep his commands, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, and the land you're about to enter and possess. You see, the Israelites were on the verge of unknown territory. They were on the edge of the promised land. And Moses is saying, as you step into your promised land, if you're going to receive all that God has promised and prepared for you, your first step needs to be a step of obedience. You step into obedience, and when you step into obedience, you step into the promised land that God has given you. I believe that there's some here today, you're on the verge of your promised land. You've wandered figuratively for 40 years. You've wandered. You've been, you've been searching. You've been waiting. You, you've been, you've been, you've been, you've, you felt this buildup of what God has for you on the verge of your promised land. And if you're going to receive all that God has for you, your first step this year and every step thereafter will have to be steps of obedience. You walk in obedience because obedience produces life. Father God, I thank you. For everybody in this room, Lord, I thank you that you are speaking to us in words that I'm not even communicating, but it's the power of your spirit speaking and imploring, calling out. The voice of the good shepherd speaks. The voice of our creator speaks. So Father God, I pray that you bring awareness of the steps of obedience we need to make in this year so that we can walk into our promised land, so that we can receive all that you have for us. God, in light of our suffering, God, in light of the challenges we face, in light of the mysteries, in light of the unknown, in light of the secrets, God, we choose to obey because, God, in this year, we want to experience more of you, more of your goodness, more of your favor. So, God, I declare and I pray that we would step in obedience and step into our promised land in this year. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Church, let's stand up. Let's give God some worship one more time as we leave this morning. Let's do it.